0: Welcome to RP Now, conversations to connect our practice. This podcast is produced for you, RP physicians and support teammates. Here, we discuss all things RP in an effort to inform and engage through meaningful conversations. Our latest conversation is a special one, as we welcome Dr. Ricardo Curry, a leader who just joined RP through the Mednax partnership. Dr. Curry talks with our host, Dr. Rich Heller, about the Mednax sale, the RP integration process, and what excites him about RP's culture. Then, we take a dive into Dr. Curry's experience as a researcher, an academic, and what's happening on the CV imaging scene. Finally, we end with fun, rapid-fire questions, putting Dr. Curry's RP knowledge to the test. Now, to our conversation.
1: Today, we are thrilled to have a new colleague on the podcast. Dr. Ricardo Curry is the President and CEO of Radiology Associates of South Florida one of the practices that just joined RP through our partnership with Mednex Radiology Solutions. Dr. Curry is a cardiovascular radiologist and the director of cardiac imaging at Baptist Hospital of Miami and Baptist Cardiac and Vascular Institute. He's a clinical associate professor at Florida International University. He attended medical school and residency in Brazil and completed his fellowship at the Massachusetts General Hospital. He went on to become the clinical director of cardiac MRI at Mass Gen. He is an internationally recognized authority on cardiac imaging and a past president of the Society of Cardiovascular CT. Due to his contributions to the fields of radiology and cardiology, Dr. Curry has been recognized as a fellow of the American College of Radiology, the Society of Cardiovascular CT, the American College of Cardiology, and the American Heart Association. He has authored more than 200 scientific publications in radiology and cardiology journals and over 400 abstracts, book chapters case reports or invited presentations. Dr. Curry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Hallor. Well, first things first, truly welcome to Radiology Partners. It's a pleasure to welcome you, the entire RASF family, as well as the the family of Mednex practices to RP. Now, the partnership formally closed in mid-December of 2020, and as we're recording this, it's mid-February 2021. So we're about at the two-month mark. So Let's talk about how do you think things are going now that you're about two months in. Can you give us some ideas of how you think things are going now?
2: Sure. Actually, the integration has been great. Uh, There has been a lot of knowledge sharing and integration calls. uh, And this has uh, allowed us to meet a lot of RP uh, supporting teams and physician leaders. And my first impressions are First RP has a lot of great people and with really deep expertise uh, in their respective areas, both in the supporting side and obviously in the physician leadership side, but we could connect with business development, and with uh, growth, with um, you know, HR, recruiting, obviously the integration team, uh, and several other areas from RP. Uh, and it, it's really good to see an organization that is like fully committed to radiology and has a lot of expertise in radiology. All in all, is, is going really well.
1: Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear things are going well. Now, you come from a, a particularly well-respected practice, RASF, you know, a, a nationally prominent practice. I was wondering if you could give just a couple sentences of background um, for folks that are not familiar with Radiology Associates of South Florida.
2: Sure. So, RASF is a multi-specialty practice. We have 80-plus physicians. We cover sites from the Florida Keys to Palm Beach and from Miami to Naples. We provide services primarily to Baptist Health of South Florida. We also uh, provide services to community health system. We read about 1.2 million studies a year, and and we cover eight hospitals, 15 outpatient centers, 20-plus urgent care centers, and, and a couple standalone ERs. And I, I think one of the hallmarks for, for RASF is that we are very much subspecialty-oriented.
1: And, and that's the reputation. You know, RISF has a very strong reputation nationally, including for subspecialty care. Knowing that with that background and the other things you commented on with respect to the deep expertise of RP, including in non-physician subject areas like recruiting and HR, things like you mentioned, are you yet seeing any opportunities for collaboration or, or the best of both approach or things where you know, maybe you can help RP or maybe RP can help you? Or is it too early to, to see those things yet?
2: You know, I think there are a lot of opportunities. I think that there is definitely um, many opportunities ahead. Uh, we are already seeing uh, like these opportunities. When I was with Mennex in, in the position of chief medical officer uh, and together with the advisory board, so we had an advisory board with the practice chairs and with, with the Mednex leadership, we were able to craft a strategic planning And and as a matter of fact, I think it's quite aligned with where Red Partners is heading. And briefly, like just to expand on that, we had five uh, main areas of focus, uh, clinical excellence, best-in-class technology, strategic growth, meaningful data analytics, and a robust admin support. Uh, And when I looked at RP and the more that I learned with RP, I think this is very much aligned, and 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 we see uh, those efforts, and and we could expand on that. But it will, we see the efforts of uh, uh, that we were carrying over, really, to add to what RP has been doing to to transform radiology.
1: That's interesting to hear. That is very engineer. and I didn't know about the, those five different um, clinical areas. But you mentioned that you were the chief medical officer for Mednex Radiology. You had very good line of sight over what sort of the feelings were within the Mednex practices. So I'm curious to ask then, when Mednex announced that they were going to divest the radiology service line, what sort of feedback were you hearing? What were the groups thinking? I have to imagine that there was some uh, you know, anxiety around this.
2: Yeah, no, no, Rich. There was definitely a lot of apprehension and anxiety. On top of that was in the middle the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, so it so was definitely uh, challenging. I think the key was, was really transparency and open communication uh, with, with uh, the practices. And obviously there were things that we were not aware or couldn't predict uh, the outcome. I would say looking back was, was a difficult process, but uh, I believe you know not only for me, but for, for many physicians, When there was really great relief when Rad Partners was announced to be the practice taking the Manex Radiology practices, I think was a great achievement at that point in time. And knowing the reputation of RP, and that will be part of an organization that will be really laser focused in radiology.
1: Well, you you already you asked my follow up question immediately, which was that what were the feelings that people heard? What you know, what were you hearing when Radiology Partners got? got mentioned in the mix of, of potential suitors um, and you're saying that it was one of it sounds like relief that it was a group that was you know entirely focused on on radiology is, is that a reasonable summation of what you said absolutely
2: absolutely i think that was uh, that was the feeling across the organization that is
1: that is good to hear so i think that you know one of the things when that we would think about a lot is, is our culture. And those of us that have been around RP for a while, but really believe that you know, our culture is a key differentiator for us. And something that you know, we, we take great pride in. And so I wanted to ask you now that, because you're somebody who's in the midst of an integration process, and I'm curious to hear from you, does that ring true with what you're seeing? As you're somebody who's right in the middle of it, does that ring true? Is culture really being talked about front and center?
2: The, the answer is yes. I think that was one of the really positive things that we felt that the culture that RP has cultivated and developed was definitely noted. Uh, And I think there are uh, definitely similar core values. Uh, You know, when when you have you are part of an organization that have well-defined core values, that you have a clear mission, and most importantly, I would say that you have the right investments being made to transform words into actions. So, for example, uh, when you see the investments in physician leadership, when, I'm, when I met Tara, having a dedicated VP of culture and leadership development, and a program that is focused in promoting uh, physician engagement, inclusion, diversity. So, I think this is it's really very impactful, and you can clearly notice that across the organization.
1: Have you heard feedback from your colleagues about this? I mean, you've sort of been front and center, but have your colleagues talked to you about, you know, the culture of radiology partners that, you know, we've been on these calls now, and I got to tell you, we're hearing X, Y, and Z, and we're really appreciating this, and you brought up one of them that I think we take great pride in, which is the physician leadership development. Um, That's certainly an area of great pride. You know, RP invests, you know, quite a lot of resources in the idea of developing physician leaders, because we really believe that, you know, if we're based on the idea of physician leadership, and that's one of the principles that RP is based on, if we really truly believe that, then boy, we need to put our money where our mouth is and invest in it. And that that's sort of the proof that we do that. And so I'm curious to hear if your colleagues have spoken to you about that and expressed interest in any of these programs. And I, I recognize that it's early. I'm just curious if you've heard any feedback yet.
2: Sure. Actually, uh, the answer is yes. And I think it will migrate across, you know, the practices uh, obviously, you know, practice chairs or leaders in, in the in the radiology practices, you have a lot more exposure. But uh, I'm definitely re- hearing from physicians; they want to, you know, be engaged. They want to participate, for example, in the uh, in the new subspecialty divisions. They want to get engaged in their subspecialty group, if you will. I uh, already had, you know, junior staff and and physicians in partnership track that are. Uh, really willing to to take more advanced uh, leadership courses, uh, so I think this this is this is very good. It's it's really well aligned with you know this transition and and a, a very positive uh, to see the culture that RP has developed.
1: I'm glad to hear that, particularly since you brought up the, the national subspecialty divisions. And I, I do you know, want to encourage people to apply for those positions, as well as our various physician support boards. And I'll, I'll give a quick plug for the advocacy board, which we're putting together right now. So I think it's fantastic that we do have the opportunity for physicians to be engaged at the local level and the national level, as you just mentioned. Now, I want to ask something else, though, because you know, although you're in private practice, you're an incredibly accomplished researcher, academic radiologist. And as I, I think you know, RP is, is interested in academics, in innovation, and in collaboration. You know, we even have our own, our own research institute, the Radiology Partners Research Institute, or RPRI, which partners with leading academic centers. I'm curious to hear your views of academic and private collaboration. Sure. I'm
2: learning more, but the Radiology Partners Research Institute, is, is, it's a great initiative. I can see there is a lot of talent within the RP practices, but we will need to unlock value in big data. And these partnerships with academic institutions will be important. Maybe let me expand on that and I'll give like two two examples. One, uh, like with with MENNEX, I think we saw that, and particularly in the neonatology uh, division, they had the largest database in the country for NICU patients Uh, and they were caring for one in four babies going to the NICU in this country. So they were able to partner with Duke University, with several other institutions, and they publish, uh, they carry over research, and uh, and they were running like the largest neonatology meeting in that specialty. And I think there is a huge opportunity for uh, us in radiology partners to to unlock the value of, of big data. RP with 28 million studies and and we had 12 million studies so we'll be with 40 million studies a year. Uh, it's close. It's it's more than 10 percent of the U.S. population that will be you know doing imaging and caring for every year. And, and maybe if I could expand in one one other example, we just finished a study that uh, was pretty interesting. So we develop uh, NLP algorithms. To detect respiratory illness and a specific imaging findings for COVID 19 in chest CT reports. So, ground glass opacities, bilateral ground glass opacities, crazy paving. And we looked at 450,000 cases in all 50 states using the V-Rad common imaging platform. So we were able to correlate these findings with uh, the official number of cases provided by the Jones Hopkins database. So we have a direct feed in our data lake from the Hopkins database, and we had a direct feed from our common imaging platform. And with those NLPs, we were able to correlate, and actually there was a strong correlation of uh, official COVID-19 cases on a daily basis, weekly basis, and on, on a per state level, because we had access to all 50 states and we were able to not only the correlation was strong but we were able to predict hot spots within one to two weeks of of forecasting
1: you could actually do predictive analytics exactly so wow that's incredibly helpful yeah so first
2: we went for you know validating retrospectively with with uh, um, uh you know regression analysis in linear regression, and then we, we move into predictive analytics. And and we could predict in, in a short time frame, in one to two weeks. But that was like really the first time that we said, wow, look at this big data. So 450,000 cases using the technology platform, using NLP algorithm, and try to derive a meaningful clinical value. So this is the first, but... Uh, you know, I'm sure will be will be very interesting to collaborate. You know, with with Nina and and Vic, uh, with the technology team, the AI, the innovation team. I believe there are lots of opportunities uh, in that front.
1: That is incredibly exciting, and you no, know, and I and I completely agree with you that we do have a lot of data, and we're lucky to have a wonderful data science team, and to pair those to have this ability to have incredible amounts of data as well as to have the resource to actually work with that data. And then to, you know, this collaborative ideal that we want to work with academic centers and actually find ways to actually use this and create innovation and find other ways to, to be helpful. Um, I think that's sort of the power of this idea of private and academic collaborations, something that you have been a leader in, um, as you just spoke to. So I think that's very exciting, but you know, you've been a, a recognized leader, in, in cardiovascular imaging for many years, as so we talked about when I gave the introduction, like, you know, you know, when many awards know, incredibly well published. So I think it would be a mistake, if we're speaking to you not to get into that a little bit. So I was curious if you could share like, you know, one or two things that are happening right now in cardiovascular imaging that you find particularly exciting.
2: Sure, sure, so cardiovascular imaging, I think first, all the major cardiology and radiology guidelines, uh, they are finally supporting the use of coronary CTA as a first-line test to assess uh, symptomatic patients with low to intermediate pretest probability. So I think that's one of one major highlight. Also, we are seeing like uh, CADRADS, CADRADS, which is the structural reporting for grading stenosis, uh, it's definitely uh, being incorporated in clinical practice, and is helping to link the radiology report or the cardiac imager report with uh, you know next steps and, and so so that is uh, it's being updated, and and we'll have uh, additional data in plaque and functional assessment, and and finally like for cardiovascular imaging, similar to other specialties, we are seeing uh, AI tools uh, really supporting workflow efficiencies. Uh, so I think that's, that's the other part that is exciting.
1: Let me ask you a question. I, you know, full disclosure, I'm a pediatric radiologist, so, so you know, we don't do this. Because you mentioned the coronary CTA. Do you do the triple rollout CTs where you're trying to roll out coronary disease, dissection, and PE on a single CT?
2: So actually, it's interesting. We do. Uh, we apply the triple rollout to about
1: 20% of our
2: population in the ER setting. The majority, we do dedicated coronary CT angel. So so we have a clinical pathway that we are able to triage patients and and really allocate the patients that would benefit from a CTA, which are low to intermediate risk and symptomatic and and initial troponin and EKG, either negative or borderline. But those patients, we would uh, perform a dedicated coronary CT angel. But there is a a patient population that we would uh, perform the triple rule out, uh, particularly if you have overlapping you know, shortness of breath and, and uh, leg edema and risk factors for cardiac disease and with chest pain. Uh, so those patients we, we would apply uh, triple rule out studies.
1: And you said it's about 20% of the volume gets that? Yeah, from from
2: the chest pain population. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. Do you think this is an area that AI is going to be particularly helpful for is in analyzing this with with so many? I mean, that CT has to have so many images in so many series.
2: So, so it's pretty interesting. So we already have, you know, with, with AI incubator, uh, with, with uh, you know, collaborating with VRAD, we have algorithms to detect PE and aortic dissection. And those are mainly to prioritize case in the list uh, for the radiologists to look at those cases. Uh, so there are already AI algorithms that we are applying today for, for PE and dissection. And there are specific, you know, dedicated companies that are focusing cardiac imaging that can really delineate the vessels that look for stenosis, quantify plaque burden. So they are in the early stage of validation, but I think will be pretty interesting. And we hope that, you know, there's a lot of discussions in AI, but uh, that, you know, it's really the, the AI plus the radiologists will make a better product compared to the radiologist alone or the AI alone, if you will. Of course.
1: Of course. Well, look, I mean, so in 2020, obviously the big news has been has been COVID, the pandemic, and, and you know, South Florida where you're you know, has been one of the nation's, you know, highest points at various points throughout twenty twenty. And I'm curious to hear about your experiences, both in terms of serving patients as well as leading a practice that was really on the front lines of COVID.
2: So interesting, Rich. So, so first, the first wave that we had COVID, uh, that was March, April, you know, the entire country was in lockdown, but South Florida was not affected, was minimally affected, I would say. But in the second wave, July and August, we were, we were the hotspot. Uh, so it was very busy. Uh, we had our hospitals, uh, you know, some hospitals, they, they, they had like 90% of COVID patients in the hospital or at least 50%, depending on the hospital, with with COVID patients. So it was really uh, overwhelming, uh, to not say the least. And recently, despite the high numbers throughout the country and in Florida, uh, we haven't seen as many hospitalizations coming in. And um, obviously, there is a component of uh, age, probably younger patients, and uh, maybe, you know, because we were a hotspot before, you have uh, some herd immunity, but the second question is, you know, how you know leading a practice during the, the the global pandemic. It is obviously there are a lot of things that we were not aware. So I think remaining calm it's very important. Uh, the communication to the team was critical. Uh, protecting the team was very important. So how how we are ensuring a protection, particularly early on, where where we didn't know a lot about the virus, adjusting the staff to match the clinical needs and avoid unnecessary exposure. So all of those things were were important. But I. I'm I would like just add that we also, we took that as an opportunity and we had, uh, we we were able to accelerate certain projects. So for example, we definitely were able to expand our uh, remote reading. um, So deployment for workstations for remote uh, reading, we were able to hardwire our telehealth program. So our clinical division with interventional uh, radiology with uh, vascular surgery and neuro IR uh, we were able to increase significantly the consultations over telehealth, and we are still are doing. Before the pandemic, we were doing probably you know a dozen consultations per month in telehealth, and now we do over two hundred.
1: Oh wow!
2: Even after, oh so wow! That, that that has been a a, a great thing.
1: Well, I, w- I was speaking to a, a good friend of mine who lives in Miami Beach, and uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't the first way, but later on, it sounded like it was it was pretty tough down there. So we like to conclude with a series of rapid-fire questions. And I, and I hate to ask this, but I, I got to. Um, since it's about 10 degrees in Chicago, what is the current temperature in Miami right now?
2: <laughs> it's about 60.
1: Oh, okay, so it's chiller than I thought it was. Okay, so it's still about 50 degrees warmer than it is here, but maybe you're being nice and downplaying it. Um, but I, if you are, I appreciate it because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the teens here. Okay, but just for that though by the way. Let's get to some harder questions. Are you up for a little pop quiz on Radiology Partners? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so let's do it cuz you're you're now a Radiology Partners leader. So, first question, what is the mission of Radiology Partners? To transform radiology. Okay, that one was too easy. You got that one. That one that was too easy. Fine, fair enough. Okay. What does the acronym ITESA stand for?
2: Okay, okay. So, that that'll be like integrity, teamwork, excellence, service, and accountability.
1: Oh, he got it. He got it. That, okay, that, that was too easy, too. We're going to kick it up a notch. Are you ready? Let's go. Who is the greatest Brazilian football soccer player of all time? <laughs> Pelé. Oh, I knew you were going to say. I knew you were not going to say uh, Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo Luiz uh, uh, Navarro de, de Lima. I knew you were going to say Pelé. Okay, so let's make it harder then. i got a final question for you. Brazilian athlete, Pele or race car legend, Ayrton Senna? I would go with Senna. Oh Senna yeah? Le- yeah. He, was, he was a legend. And, he was a, uh, they he both was were, a- were legends. There's no wrong answer there, you know, Ayrton Senna or Pele. I think they're, they're both legends. So you're gonna go with Ayrton Senna, a, uh, a race car legend if ever there was one. Well, Dr. Curry, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. I know that I, I learned a lot of, about, uh, about what's going on and I appreciate you being here with us. And most importantly, Welcome to Radiology Partners.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Heller. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, congratulations in this podcast series.
0: That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, or want to make a suggestion to help us improve this podcast, email communications at radpartners.com. As a radiology partner's teammate, you have access to sensitive, confidential, restricted, and proprietary information about the practice. Such information should be used solely by you in the performance of your job duties for the practice and may not be disclosed or shared with others without express permission. You should take reasonable steps to protect the confidentiality of this information.